everyone. Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Randall Carlisle, and today I think is the most significant podcast we've done because we're one of the most watched and listened to dealing with addiction and recovery. And today we're focusing on recovery in a very big way. And I think, in my opinion, it's one of the most significant uh, improvements in the recovery system for people in recovery uh, that we've ever covered. And so I have some rock star recovery people here with me today. Uh, Destiny Garcia on the far side, Amy Dash will be beside me. And, and the superstar recovery that we're focusing on today did you ever, have you ever been called a superstar? No, Uh-oh. first time. <laughs> Noella Sudbury, and she's the executive director of Clean Slate Utah. And we have people watching all over the country and everything, but probably primarily here in Utah. Noella, what is Clean Slate Utah? Um, great question. Thanks for having me on the show. Clean Slate Utah is a new nonprofit organization that was formed to raise awareness of Utah's clean slate law and to help justice-involved individuals get their records expunged and access new opportunities. And having records expunged for people who have not heard or are not dealing in this area has got to be one of the most significant things affecting the life of somebody in recovery, right? Absolutely. Yeah, criminal records create all kinds of barriers for people. Um, They are permanent, digital and permanent in this age. They never go away. The only way to get a record cleared is to go through a legal expungement process. Um, But unfortunately, that process is very costly, very complicated. Most people find they need a lawyer to represent them. Most people can't afford a lawyer. And this streamlines the process. Yes, it does. So Utah's Clean Slate Law does. And, And how does it work? Great. I know it's I know it's very technical, but basically, if uh, you can just explain yeah, it. Yeah, sure. So, so the idea of clean slate is this, right? Um, the government actually has all of the information it needs to know who's eligible to expunge their record. It lives in court data. It lives in public safety data. And we have a statute that says who's eligible to expunge their record. And so the idea of Clean Slate for lawmakers was we have this really long, complicated process, but we actually have all of the information to know who qualifies. And so can we get comfortable? Can we create a list of offenses where maybe if somebody has remained crime-free, done everything they're supposed to do, we're not going to make people go through that process. We're just going to identify them as eligible and clear their records automatically. And how many people are we talking about here in Utah? So we had no idea how many people there would be, but we have now done the work um, alongside our partners at the courts um, to identify eligible people and cases, and over 200,000 Utahns. 200,000. 200,000 Utahns over that um, number have at least one case that will be automatically cleared by Utah's Clean Slate Law. And will people know that they've been cleared? So this is one of the challenges um, of the law. Originally, the law had a notification requirement saying, okay, if somebody's automatically cleared, we're going to mail notice so that they're aware. Because if you don't know, you don't benefit. 
Um, that got pulled out of the legislation because as we were looking at the address data that the state of Utah had, particularly in the court records, the last known address in many cases was an apartment building, was uh, an address is old, it's sure. unreliable. And this is very, very sensitive information. And so um, people were worried we would spend a lot of money to mail notice to the wrong person. They're not going to know, and we may do more harm than good. Um, so, you know, some people were saying, let's, let's wait on this, let's study this. And I said, no, let's pass the law. Let's take out this notification stuff and figure out notification later. So this is one of the main things, main reasons that we formed Clean Slate Utah is to uh, raise broad awareness of this law and um, help people determine whether they have the, the type of case that would be eligible. Okay, we'll get into notification and how people can find out in a sec. Uh, the reason Destiny and Amy are here is, Destiny, you are in long-term recovery from, yes. from what, meth? From heroin and meth use. Heroin and meth. Yep. A multi-user. <laughs> uh, opportunity user. <laughs> yeah, right. whatever, whatever you had, I was using. <laughs> and and you, you are in long-term recovery now, and you work at the Salt Lake County Mayor's Office. Yes. And you're also on the board of Clean Slate. Mm -hmm. Tell me, and what it, how does having a record influence your life? Oh, I mean, I hit so many. Well, first of all, I also worked at Odyssey House. Well, I should say that since it's Odyssey House. Yeah, I also work at Odyssey House. Um, having a record is a huge barrier. So when I was in sober living, going to find a job, I couldn't get a job. I applied over dozens and dozens of places. I would, they would hire me, and then they would let me go as soon as my background came back. Um, somebody in sober living had um, been working at Build a Bear. It's a second chance company, and so I got a job there. But the problem was, I was only making eight fifty an hour, working ten hours a week. Right. That was enough for my bus fare, back and forth. You know, I wasn't really making any money. Uh, when sober living is when I realized what damage I really did to my my record, to my future, to everything around me because I couldn't get a decent job. I couldn't get into my own apartment. My son had to help me because of my record and my credit score. You know, it was there's huge bar barriers to having a criminal record. So, and and that affects anybody with record like that. Yeah. Yeah, because the employer that's looking at it, they don't look at the treatment you've gone through, the letters of recommendation you can get, the progress you've made. They see it black and white on, the on their sheet that you have retail theft or you have drug charges or they don't care about what you've done to better yourself. And Amy, you you have been a miraculous person in recovery. Uh, you're, current, you, you're working... I don't know when people are going to be watching this, but you, 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 you've worked at Odyssey House for a while, and you are going to be or are working for Utah Naloxone. Uh, what problems have you found with, with past records? Same as Destiny. I mean, from the beginning, I, I went to 12 different apartment complexes. I had the housing voucher. This was after I graduated drug court. And all 12 turned me down because of my background. Now, mind you, I have misdemeanors. I don't have any felony charges. My record is all misdemeanors, and I still had such huge barriers just trying to find a place to live. I mean, I'm dealing with it now, you know. Any background check, any employment check, you know, I'm, I've been waiting 30 days for this to go through because of, because of my background. I mean, it, it affects everything. As Destiny said, I feel the same way, you know. Four and a half years sober, I've met every court requirement. I've done everything that's been expected to me and, and above. 
but yet all that matters is what's in black and white on that sheet of paper. Wow. And almost all of us have filled out a form to, well, either for a mortgage or for, or for to, to rent a place. And you, and you say, okay, you can run a background check on me. And they do, and that automatically comes up, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And it, and it would say what? what like like your charges were what? For for me per personally, yeah. mine were all possession and paraphernalia. So I mean, I feel like you know, yes, I was in in control of an illegal substance, right? Yes, I mean that is against the law. So I mean, I take accountability for that. But at the end of the day, it's this crime against myself, right? Like I was I was hurting right. myself. Right. You know, I wasn't out, you know, raising hell, you know, robbing people, any of that. But, you know, and I st it's just frustrating because you put in the work, you do, you do everything you're supposed to do, and I'm being crucified for these charges that, that hurt me. It's almost like you can never, okay, you made some mistakes in the past, you've turned your life around, but you still can't turn your life around because of what you did in the past. Right. You know, the one thing we talk about in treatment, obviously, uh, is, is you know, your, your past is your past and, and the present is now and your future is whatever you make it. And this sort of, uh, you, guys have, you guys have been shining lights in terms, even though you have these records, how'd you, how'd, you get, how'd you get through all that without having your records expunged? Well, I knew that I didn't want to go back to using because I knew I didn't want to die. So I was willing to put the motivation forward and my feet forward to do what I had to do to succeed. I did anything I had to do to get high. I would walk into the snow storm three miles to get high. <laughs> if I'm willing to do that to get high, I need to be willing to do that in my recovery. Yes. And that's what I've done. Is I've put all my motivation, all my drive into this, into building a life for me and my children again. How would any respond to a conservative hardliner who sees what we're talking about saying, hey, you were a meth heroin addict, you were a heroin addict, that's tough shit. Uh, you, you're suffering for what you did. How would you respond to that? Good question. I mean, people- There are, are people out there who think that. <laughs> and they, and they mm -hmm. do, and they're gonna have their opinions, right? But at the end of the day, this, this is a journey that I've had to walk, right? This is, this is something that I've had to be accountable for, and you know, I've, I've served my time on this. And then some, you know, I've, I've done what the law has required me to do. I've done what probation has required me to do, you know, so it's okay. They can keep their opinions, but at some point we have to move on with our lives, right? You know, I mean, who, who's to say, you know, because of my own personal judgment, you've got to suffer for the next 20 years, even though you've done everything right. You know, that's a stigma that's, that's just so reinforced within society, you know, and it's frustrating, but we've met the requirements. Can I jump yeah, in yes, on this question? <laughs> the reason I'm in, Noelle is, you know, she's a superstar of spearheading this, but she's not in recovery, so. And, I'm not and, in and recovery, she's a by but trade, I love right? people in recovery. I am a lawyer by training. Um, how I would respond, and one of the things that gives me hope, back when um, we had the Clean Slate campaign, there were people who said this, well, why? Why should we um, let these people uh, move, up, move forward? They've broken the law. They've done all of these things. Like, and automatically, like, aren't we going to make them pay or go through a process? Um, but at the end of the day, and, and we started with a lot of those voices, 
Um, but at the end of the day, this law was unanimous. Um, it was unanimous, and Utah was only the second state in the nation to have one. And I think it was unanimous because um, everybody makes mistakes, um, but when people turn their lives around, they deserve second chances. And I think in Utah, we believe that. Democrats believe that. Republicans believe that. And helping people to move forward with their lives has lots of benefits for all of us, even people without records. It improves public safety. It reduces recidivism because we're helping people to help themselves find jobs, get into stable housing. Um, it's good for the economy. We help people to transition off government benefits, become um, workers, uh, enter our tax base, right? It strengthens our families. So, so really, I think at the end of the day, this became not a partisan issue, but a common sense issue yeah. that this is good for people. This is good for all of us. Um, and that if we can help people do what's good for them, um, all of us are stronger. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure with the image Utah has around the country, they think conservative, Republican, uh, LDS-dominated state, uh, and they're doing this? You know, there, there must have been a lot of, did you get any, do you have calls from all over the country? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, when Clean Slate passed, um, Utah was on no one's radar. And people said, like, no offense, but how did you do this? We're trying to do this in much more liberal states, and it's not getting off the ground. Um, how is this possible? How did you have so much support? Um, and, you know, my response is it was a lot of work. You know, we started very far apart. When I first started meeting with law enforcement about it, you know, the reaction was, Something like, hell no. Like, right. no. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is just the starting point. This is just the first conversation <laughs> that we're having. And I really feel like, and why I so appreciate being on the show and being able to talk to you, um, what, what made the difference was the stories of people. And, you know, I can come and I can say why, from a policy perspective, right. why this makes sense. But I brought people to law enforcement, to the chamber, to tell their stories. And, you know, having a record is so, so common. Um, over 800,000 Utahns have some type of criminal record. Really? Really. So, you know, That's... probably <laughs> your neighbors, your family members, your friends, you yourself, like, you're not alone, but there is so much stigma. And I think what was surprising to people was um, it was not uncommon for me to hear well, that's not what I thought somebody with a record would look like. And I'm like... Oh, I'm sure. You and, know? And, and, and their picture was somebody back then uh, down on Rio Grande, right? Totally. Mm -hmm. yeah. totally. But people recover. They do get better. Um, but these barriers remain. And this sort of like shadow of gloom and doom and um, closed doors just continues to follow people. And I think having law enforcement and, and other naysayers kind of like hear that, see that, okay, you're seven, you're sober, and you can't get a job, you can't get an apartment, like, that's not good. That's not good for anyone. And not um, fair. And not fair. Yeah. And not fair. And so I think it was a lot of dialogue, a lot of communication, a lot of willing to come back and not give up when things were frustrating or you know, they wanted to take out or make changes that would be harmful. It's a process, all things are, but I feel like the process was made possible 
by the stories of people in recovery. And when this was heard in committee, hundreds of people came and they lined up and they all told their stories. And I've worked on a lot of legislation. I have never seen anything like it. They moved the lawmakers to tears. The lawmaker stood up and gave a standing ovation to the really? people that came. Truly, truly. Wow. I mean, it was amazing to see. And I think it shows that, um, you know, we're really divisive um, in this country, in this state. Um, but this is a thing that everyone can agree on, you know? Yeah. I, I, th- I think I love what you said, that it's common sense. And that's that's what re- prevailed. I'm biased because I work at Odyssey House and I work with people like Destiny and and Amy. And, you know, I've come to know and love you guys uh, because I'm in recovery as well from alcoholism. Uh, And and I think we've all proved that we we do have do things just like anybody else can do things. uh, And we're no different than anyone else. And that everybody, I'm... I'd be willing to bet on this, that everybody either has somebody in their family Mm -hmm. or knows somebody Mm -hmm. who is dealing with some kind of substance use issue. And so it's not like we're just a few isolated people who need help. And and the other thing that's impressed me with you guys is uh, how much you've given back and how many people in recovery do give back. And tell me some of the, we'll get to both of you, tell me some of the things you've done to give back. And I know you've done a lot. <laughs> I think, uh, first of all, giving back <clears throat> is important, especially when you're in recovery. It's part of recovery. And when I say giving back, I don't mean giving a donation. I mean putting your feet to the ground, showing up for others that are struggling, showing up for others that are in early recovery, and being present and giving them hope that they can do it because you did it. That your story is, when you tell your story, your story is so much similar to so many other people's story <laughs> that and those people feel isolated and alone and think that their story is is not acceptable because the things that they've done or the things that they've been through or the abuse that they've been through they don't want to use their voice but when you show up and you use your voice it gives them the opportunity to also use their voice um, I've done a lot of outreaches with Amy we've done a lot of things together to give back um, going out to Pioneer Park having food for homeless, giving out resources, connecting with people out there, harm reduction. We've also done things like that. Uh, going to treatment centers, sharing our stories, um, talking to the news any chance I can get to put a face out there that recovery is possible and addiction does not discriminate. And it's not going to discriminate because you're a Republican or because it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen everywhere. Right. Um, and I really think that addiction is trauma-based. It's the trauma that you've gone through in your life that causes the addiction. And I think that getting out there and using your voice is the most important. That's what I do to give back. I use this voice that I have to give back. My mom always told me that voice is going to get you in trouble. (laughs) Well, it did for a lot of years. (laughs) But now my voice is powerful and I know how to use it. I remember when when we first started out, since I have a background in television, I sort of worked with you for before you did interviews and Mm -hmm. before you were... And this is my observation, but you were somewhat meek and mild, uh, but now you're not at all. <laughs> and that's and good. That. Yeah, she's yeah. a force. Yeah. And Amy, you've you you give you've given back in a big way. 
So, same as Des. I mean, you always, like, Destiny goes first. She goes off my checklist. Right? <laughs> and then it's like, well, I then, ask you first then what do I say? <laughs> this is why we're such good friends. Ghetto. We're like-minded. <laughs> uh, same. You know, I do a lot of advocacy work. I think that's been my strongest um, give back to the community is is the advocacy work. So, um, I and I organize outreach events. We've done, you've been part of both of those right. with me. Um, homeless outreach events, um, from media campaigns to, you know, campaigns within the community. That's been powerful for me. You know, I mean, it's as simple as just answering that Facebook message, helping somebody navigate school or navigate the system or show up for them or give them direction, you know, and that's that's been powerful for me. I mean, I think it does more for me than I'm doing for them. Absolutely. You know, but somebody showed up for me. I mean, you were there from the beginning. <laughs> This woman right here helped me navigate, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, that's been my most powerful piece of, of Speaking recovery. Speaking of treatment centers, I mean, I've, been, mm-hmm. I've enjoyed doing, you're right, you, you get more out of it than you're giving probably, yeah. you know, and, and that's no matter what treatment program you go through, part of, of, of recovery is, is giving back. You know, it's in, it's in the 12 steps, it's in every program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's significant. And Noella, let me, before we get into the, we, we should get into the specifics of clean slate. We're running out of time. We're having so I, much I fun. I looked at my stopwatch. Why, why have you, you're a lawyer by trade. Uh, why are you involved in this? Why do you care? That's a great question. I think for me, um, you know, as I mentioned, I, I started my career as public defender. Um, and I felt like I was a really good lawyer, had all of these clients who I loved, um, but felt like I was working in a totally broken system um, and that I was part of that. And part of that was unsatisfying. I felt like the system wasn't taking into account the trauma, the mental health issues, the substance issues. And we're just criminalizing all of this behavior that we actually should be treating. And that was very frustrating to me. So. I left the public defender's office, went into private practice, did a variety of things. Um, but when I was working at the law firm, I um, lost my dad very suddenly to a heart attack. And, you know, I think for me, I just asked myself, what am I doing with my life? Um, I don't want to be doing this. You got one life. You never know when it's going to end, right? And mine could be half over. And I want to use my life to help people. And so, you know, I left the law firm. Sorry, I didn't expect to get so emotional about that. But um, I, I left the law firm, uh, took this job at the county. Um, and it has been the best decision I made in my life. Um, it is such a privilege to be able to um, use my law degree to change the world. Um, and I'm so happy that I'm doing it. And you do a good job. You've done, <laughs> Thank you. you've done so much, and you make and you've made good friends. I mean, we're amazing I, I, friends. I always say the recovery community is very tight knit. It's very large, but very tight knit, uh, especially in the Salt Lake Valley. You know, and a lot of us know each other. I can go to a. I can go to any if you if you look in the phone if you look Google phone book that shows you how old I am. Yeah, well, there's meetings from like 6 a.m. to midnight all over, and I can go to any meeting. 
Uh, I've been clean going on 10 years this year, uh, and I know somebody there who I've met before. So, okay, let's get into, God, we only have a few minutes. Uh, <laughs> clean Slate, Utah, who's it going to apply to? I mean, yes. you know, we've talked about drug charges. Is that primarily what we're talking about? Um, yes. So Utah's Clean Slate Law is going into effect on February 10th. Or when you're watching, it's already gone into or effect. It's already yeah. gone into <laughs> effect, and we've already cleared a bunch of <laughs> records. Um, it applies to, so Utah's Clean Slate Law only applies to misdemeanors. Um, the charges that qualify for automatic clearance are misdemeanor A, drug possession. That's the only misdemeanor A that qualifies. Most misdemeanor B and C cases and all infractions do qualify. And, and B and C cases would be what? Um, all kinds of things. Retail theft, possession, paraphernalia, uh, disorderly conduct. Um, there's so many crimes. <laughs> a, lot of, a, a lot of things. But yeah. we're not talking about like rape or murder or anything no. like that. So under Utah law, and lawmakers have made this decision, um, we don't allow everyone to expunge the record. There are public safety reasons why some records need to stay. Um, most addiction type records, I mean, records have all types, but are eligible for expungement. And the ones that are eligible for automatic expungement are those nonviolent records. Because when we have victims in cases, there are notice requirements and processes needed. But if you have kind of like a shoplifting, drug possession, drug paraphernalia type record, um, which many people in recovery have, that is the type of record that is typically eligible for automatic clearance. After how many years from the charge? Yes. So there's waiting periods for all of these. We don't allow people to uh, expunge their records right away. So for a misdemeanor C, uh, it's five years. For a misdemeanor B, it's six years. For that misdemeanor A, drug possession, it's seven years. And that's seven years from the date your case was adjudicated, uh, which means like the date you pled guilty or someone found you guilty or there was some resolution of your case. And this will happen. People don't have to ask for it. It just happens. No, a lot of people say, how can I get on that list? You don't need <laughs> to get on a list. You don't have to go to BCI. You don't have to pay an attorney. It's just going to happen. From the individual's perspective, it really is just magic. It's it's here one day, it's gone the next. There's been a lot of work from the government <laughs> to, to make this happen, and there is work in clearing the records. So it's going to um, take a while. It will take a while. So it will begin on February 10th, or did Has begin. Begun. Has begun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but it's a lot of records. It's over 200,000 people. It's um, I don't know the exact number of records, but it's, I think, like over close to maybe a million records um, that they need to clear. And so while it is automated from the person's perspective, the record holder, and the government has set up a system to do big batches of clearance, even if you clear, you know, 10, 20,000 records at a time, you can imagine it's going to take time for them to push all of those through the process. So they are thinking it may take until the end of this calendar year to complete the backlog of all of the eligible cases. Um, but they have agreed to partner with Clean Slate Utah to post some kind of schedule so that people know what's happening. So on February 10th, they will actually start with dismissal records. Um, my understanding is they will move to conviction records um, in March, April. Um, and I'm excited about that because I think that's really the heart of the law. 
but to make sure everything's working properly, they're going to start with those dismissals, test it, make sure everything um, is happening the way it was intended. Um, and then each month, this law goes back in time as far as records go, but it also goes forward. So every month they will be identifying new, be new people, people. Yeah. Um, who are eligible as well. And, and there are so many questions people have about this, and it's individual. <laughs> it's like, okay, I was busted back in so-and-so with an ounce of blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh. what, what's going to happen to me? What can people like that do to get information? You can't answer 200,000 calls. We cannot answer 200,000 calls. It's hard for me to even get through a presentation about Clean Slate without somebody saying, right. like, let's analyze my record together. Yeah. So uh, Clean Slate Utah is partnering with a new public benefit corporation called RASA, which is a software company that's helping to design a mobile app to make it easy um, for people to determine what's on their record and what's eligible for expungement. I'm really excited about this partnership and this project um, because trying to figure out if you're eligible is so complicated. And so the way it will work, somebody can um, download the app or access it on the web, type in their name, date of birth. We're going to verify your identity. That was very, very important to justice-involved sure. people because we don't want to become a background check company, uh, right? And then um, once we do that, the, the app will say, Here's, here are the records we found. Here's what's eligible for automatic clearance. Here's what's eligible for petition-based clearance. Here's, not, here's what's not eligible right now because you're in a waiting period, or here's what's not eligible because this is a type of offense that you just can't get cleared. And it will be a much more scalable solution than trying to analyze, you know, 800,000 people's eligibility. We don't have the staff or the manpower to do that. Is there a website people can go to to get basic information? Yeah, so www.cleanslateutah.org. Um, we will have information about the app. I think it will be ready to go in March. We are hoping to help people as soon as this law goes into effect, so we will be opening up some um, 15-minute consultations to try to manually help as many people as we can. Please be patient with us. There's a lot of people in need that, that want this help, so we will help as many as we can in the meantime, but Follow us on Facebook, go to our website, sign up for our mailing list. We will email, text everybody when this app is available because that's really going to be the best way to determine what your legal situation is. And, and I've noticed, speaking of Facebook, Destiny, you've spent a lot of time answering individual questions from somebody <laughs> who says, hey, I, this is my situation, what do I do? And you, and you answer them on Facebook. Yeah, I try to answer everything that I can see because I am also in that situation. I still have stuff that needs to come off my record. Right. I've gone through the expungement, and even if I don't know the answer, I still try to give a basic answer and then say, I don't know, <laughs> because that is better than nothing at all. So I spend a lot of time on there. So does Noella She's answering questions. She's a super board member. I'm so grateful to her <laughs> digging into the details. And sometimes she'll text me and say, is this eligible? How do I answer that? Every time I see her, we do something, we're leaving. I'm like, okay, these are the questions I need to ask before we leave right. so that I can go back on Facebook and answer the questions. Right. <laughs> it is. I mean, it is yeah. so complicated, yeah, which is. is why we really just need something powered by court records to do the legal analysis and lay it out for the person because it can take 45 minutes to an hour to even just determine if someone's sure, eligible sure. by the time we get all the records so so it is very complicated and we we do care about all of you and want to help all of you but um but it's hard and it's time consuming so 
So we're going to do the best that we can. I feel like every day I wake up to a couple of text messages that are like, here's my name and date of birth. Am I eligible? I'm like, who are you? Like, how did you get? All of you. Well, I give it out all the time. So. <laughs> I just feel like in this age, like I've given it out. Yeah. It's been the same number yeah. forever. But, but okay, okay. Anyway. she's going to give us your phone. No, I'm, just <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 please, no. We are out of time. Uh, I want to thank all of you for coming. I called you both superstars, and and Noella. You're a, She's a warrior. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm inspired by people like uh, all of you, truly. But we wouldn't be sitting we here if it wasn't for Noella. Oh, that's wow. a good point. So, true. so uh-huh. on behalf of the recovery community, thank you, Noella. Oh, thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you so much for yeah. having me and um, listening to Clean Slate. Yeah. And thank you for watching another edition of Odyssey House Journals.